Amen. Let's look to the Lord. Heavenly Father, let that be our earnest desire to be offerings back to You. Sweet fragrances. Sweet offerings of of praise and worship, of gratitude, of thanksgiving. Father, we are so grateful for what You've done in our lives. We pray that You would help us to shine as Your lights in this dark world. Father, thank You for Your presence with us today. We pray that You will open our minds, open our hearts to hear the Word that You've prepared for us. Let us be open to it and allow it to challenge us and change us. In Your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, this, this past month, the World Health Organization released their annual report. And it revealed that 1.2 million people died from auto-related accidents in 2012. That number has been steadily rising every year since the first auto-related fatality in London in 1896. And by the year 2020, it will reach 2 million people. The National Center for Health Statistics takes a look at every accident, analyzes it, researches it, and categorizes it by its root cause. They publish their top ten list every year. Top ten reasons for automobile accidents. The top reason accounts for 80% of accidents. It has never changed since the inception of the report. If I ask for your guests today, you might think driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol, speeding, road rage, vehicle malfunction, none of those. The top reason for automobile accidents today is distracted driving, not paying attention. Whatever the, the cause or the reason might be, playing with the, the dials of the car, putting on makeup, drinking a bottle of water, perusing some mail, sending a quick text message, whatever the reason, simply zoning out. Not paying attention accounts for the greatest cause of death on the road. And it's a jarring statistic. It's a sobering one. It's a convicting message. Pay attention. We've heard it since we were kids. Pay attention to your parents. Pay attention to what your parents are telling you. Pay attention in school. Pay attention to your homework. It never stops. Pay attention in your job. Hey, pay attention to your spouse. Pay attention to your kids. Pay attention to your health. The warnings are ingrained in our minds. Pay attention. And yet, why, why do we keep needing reminders? Do we not realize these things are important? We do, but what happens? Well, we get busy. Something grabs our focus. Something else grabs our attention. And before long, we just we lose sight, we lose focus, and, and we drift. Nowhere is this more evident than in our Christian walk. If we let ourselves go, if we pay no attention to how we live our lives, what do you think will happen? We'll drift. And we will drift away from God. Make no mistake about it. 
There's no good drift. You never drift to your destination. You drift away from it. Carelessness, apathy, zoning out, not paying attention has never led to success anywhere in history. Can you imagine? Michelangelo, you just painted the Sistine Chapel. How'd you do it? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I just put my brush up to the, to the, the ceiling and I let it do the leading. And now I have a masterpiece. Joe Flacco, you just played a near-perfect game at quarterback to lead your team to a Super Bowl championship over the San Francisco 49ers. Sorry, Niner fans. You had three yards and four tries. You forgot Frank Gore was on your team. But Joe Flacco, how'd you do it? I was zoning out. And, and before, before I knew it, my passes were falling into the open hands of receivers for touchdowns. Now, it doesn't happen. You'll never hear that. Any success, any victory requires work, planning, effort, dedication, practice, deliberate action. You don't accidentally win. You don't accidentally become godly. You don't gain spiritual victories while you're sleeping behind the wheel of life. A careless walk never results in a good drift. Respected Bible scholar D.A. Carson said this, and I love it. People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. So true. None of these things come naturally to us. In our flesh, we lose our focus on Christ. It takes what he said, grace-driven effort. Our effort coupled with God's grace. It requires an active, deliberate effort on our part. It takes paying attention. There it is again. We can't escape it. We'll never outgrow it. We'll never get to a point in our lives, a spiritual maturity level, where we won't need the warning, where we can stop paying attention. The warning to pay attention is the most important warning that we can heed in our Christian walk. Paul said in Hebrews 2.1, he said, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Pay the most careful attention. The most critical thing we can focus on in our lives is our walk with Christ. Pay attention to put into practice that which we have learned. Pay attention to put into practice that which we have learned. Well, well, I, I understand what, what it means to pay attention when I drive. I, I know what to look for. And I, and I understand what it means to, to pay attention at work or at school. I, I know who to listen to, but how do I pay attention in my spiritual walk? What do I look for? What exactly do I do? Very good question. Here's a very great answer. Turn with me to our text this morning or look up at the screens to Psalm chapter 39. Starting in verse 1. Here, 
we find David battered from his enemies, reeling from illness and reflecting upon his life. Psalm 39, verse 1. I said I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. And so I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. But my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. And then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath. Even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Verse 1, David said, I will watch my ways. I will pay attention to how I live so that my life will honor God. I will pay attention to how I live because others are looking. More importantly, God is looking. I will pay attention to my ways to be an example to a watching world, to inspire others to see Christ, to be God's light in these dark times. I will watch my ways. How? How do I do it? David provides us with three practical steps to an exemplary life of paying close attention to our ways. We're going to look at them today. First, and he says it in verse 1, watch your words. The first thing David says in this psalm is, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. How many times have you caught yourself opening your mouth and promptly inserting your foot? A snide remark, a sarcastic insult, a little white lie, a juicy piece of gossip that you just have to share. How about complaining words, grumbling words, foul language, off-color jokes? You know, what comes out of our mouths reveals what's in our hearts. Matthew 12:34 tells us, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Luke 6.45 explains it like this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. Let us therefore fill our hearts with the things of the Lord. Let us focus our minds on what pleases God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a simple formula. We learned it very young. Garbage in, garbage out. If we fill our minds and hearts with garbage, what comes out? If we fill our minds and hearts with godly things, 
what comes out of our mouths will be godly. No false pretense, no forced words. No differentiation between how we speak at church and how we speak to our friends. If you fill your mind and heart with hatred and revenge, what do you think comes out of your mouth? If you fill your mind and heart with the refuse of this world, what do you think will come out of your mouth? Focus on God and godliness will flow from your lips. And when we are tempted to speak out in our flesh, let's remember wisdom comes from guarding our words. Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 21.23 reminds us, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to spread a rumor, twist a truth, fuel a conflict, create a deception with just a few words. If we seek to be wise, we must learn to hold our tongues. Or as we would say, bite your tongue. In other words, we don't blurt out the first thing that comes to our, to our mind because often it's the wrong thing. David said, I will put a muzzle on my mouth. Sadly, though, some people abuse this concept in the Christian life. This isn't a license to keep silent about Christ. Spread the good news of His Gospel. It's not a license to keep silent when you have the opportunity to right a wrong. There are moments in our lives when it would be a sin to keep silent. If someone in your life is searching for hope, speak up. Tell them about the greatest living hope that they can ever find. If someone in your life attacks your faith, your church, your service, speak up. Defend your faith, defend your principles, defend your leaders. In kindness and in clarity, speak truth. What did Jesus do when, when He saw the money changers in the temple? Did He bite His tongue and keep silent? I don't want to offend them. No. There are times in life when we are charged to speak up, to defend and to correct Speaking up when you should is as important in watching your words as being silent when you shouldn't speak. Watch your words. Do your words speak truth? Do your, do your words defend the cause of Christ? Does this mean we engage in every possible debate in defense of truth? No. We have to be wise. Jesus told His disciples in, in Matthew 10.16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. There's no point. There is no point in trying to convince someone who has completely closed their mind to the truth. That's why David said, I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good. You know why? Because it's pointless to engage the wicked. Your words of defense will only fuel their anger. Your words of kindness will only be twisted. The bottom line is this. Speak up when the Spirit convicts you to speak. Keep silent when it convicts you to hold back. And always make sure it's the Spirit's 
leading and not your own. Let it be our daily prayer. Lord, help me guard my mouth. Help me guard my words. Give me the words to say when you would have me speak. Keep me silent when I want to speak out in my flesh. Is it easy? Uh Uh-uh. It goes against everything in our nature. We want to mouth off when we're angered and we want to keep quiet when there's a risk of angering someone else. It's hard to bite your tongue. It's hard to submit your speech to the Holy Spirit. David said when he bit his tongue, my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. It's not easy. It's not natural to us, but it's essential. If you want to pay attention to your Christian walk, to your character, to the example you portray, start by watching closely the words you say. So in order to watch our ways, as David says, the first step is watch our words. Step two, watch your days. David said in verse four, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. Show me, Lord. Remind me, Lord, how short life is. How few my days really are. Help me to pay attention to those days. I only have so many to spend. How am I going to spend them? Help me spend them wisely, Lord. Remind me that the day is soon approaching when my life in this world will be over. And eternity in the next will begin. You know what that is? That's living with eternity in view. What happens when we live this life with the next one in view? What happens when we truly realize how short life is and we live in preparation for eternity? You know what happens? Everything changes. Our focus shifts. Our priorities change. Our time becomes more precious. When you realize how short life is, how few our days are, you watch how you spend your time. You pray longer. You love more deeply. You serve more earnestly. You try harder. Grudges melt away. Reaching out to the lost becomes a top priority. Your job matters less. Your family matters more. Making money matters less. Making memories matters more. You make your life count because in retrospect, there just isn't that much of it. You live for Christ and you lead your family to Christ because in the end, that's the most important matter that matters. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 reminds us, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You 
were redeemed for something greater. You were rescued to do something more important. Stop wasting your days. Make them count. Spend your time on what will last for eternity. Amen? Friend, life is short. James 4, 13-14 gives us a very, very sobering reminder. Now listen, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Wow. A mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. What happens? What happens to a mist? Disappears. The mist is no more, but its effects last. Its effects are seen long after it's passed. It hydrates. It cools. It allows for growth. When your life on earth is over, you will leave behind a legacy. What will your legacy say about how you spent your days? How you lived your life? How you prioritized what was important to you? Dream chasers. Chasing the dream. You know someone like that? Are you someone like that? All you think about, all you focus on, all you spend your time and efforts on is chasing some, some dream life. A dream spouse, dream job, a dream house. Friend, even if you attain it, it will pass with this world. Spend your efforts for Christ. He's your dream come true. Live for Him while you still have days to spend. First, watch your words. Second, watch your days. And third, and finally, Watch your hope. David concludes in verse 7, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in You. Hope is such a powerful driver. It's a game changer. It can lift us from the darkest outlook, the dreariest circumstances, the deepest despair. Your hope is your security. You feel secure because of it, despite whatever's going on around you. Despite whatever you're facing, you can rest secure in your hope. No one can take your hope away from you. It's the greatest shifter in life. It shifts our eyes off of our circumstances and onto something else. The key then is what is that something else? If your hope is based on this world, you're in for a hard fall. If your hope is based on your money, the stock market, your retirement fund, the 401k, you're in for a hard fall. Your hope will fail. If your hope is built on people around you, as wonderful as they may be, your hope will fail. Only hope that is founded on God in Jesus Christ will last.
will succeed and will never let you down. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You know, the word hope occurs some 52 times in the New Testament alone. And if you look up those 52 references, every time, in every case, 100% of the time, that hope is always connected in some way to God. God is the author of hope. Romans 15.13 tells us, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope. He's the founder. He's the creator, the designer, the inventor, the CEO and chairman of the board of hope. Everything else is a fabrication. Everything else is an imitation. And the reality, friends, is that whatever your hope rests upon, that hope impacts how you live your life. It impacts every aspect of our lives. You've heard the quote, you are what you eat. I'm here to tell you today, you are what you hope for. If your hope is founded on your money, your time will be spent making it, securing it, earning it. If your hope is built on your career, guess what? You're married to your job. Every waking moment will be spent to build it up, to climb the ladder. The foundation of your hope, your security, will drive your time, will drive your priorities, your agenda, your motives, and eventually, it drives the person you become. David warns that in order to watch your life, to watch your ways, then watch your hope. It matters upon what we base our hope. Not only for its ultimate success, for our hope to hold in times of trouble, but also for how it drives and shapes our lives. Let our hope be in the Lord, in His sovereignty, in the fact that He knows all things, that He controls all things, and He desires only for your good. Let our hope rest in His soon coming and our eternal destination with Him, the hope of glory. That's our only true security, friend. That's the only security, the only hope which will last and will never fail us. Hope in anything apart from Christ will only and ultimately lead you to what? Heartache, disappointment, and regret. A life of regret. I had my hope in this and it let me down. I had my hope in him or her and, it, and they let me down. Hope in Christ will never let you down. What does hope in Christ net you? Let's look. First, joy. Psalm 146.5 Happy is he, or in other translations, blessed, fortunate, enviable, who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. What else? Peace. Psalm 62.5 Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. Strength. Isaiah 40.31 But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
Stability. Hebrews 6.19 We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Or other versions say sure and steadfast. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Security. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Confidence. Not in ourselves, but in Christ. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And finally, and most importantly, an eternal outlook. Titus 3.7 So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I'm going to Rubio for a second here. A hope founded on Christ is the only true and successful hope that we can hold on to in our lives. Be careful. Pay attention. Wake up and pay attention to what you hope in. Pay attention to what your hope rests upon. Watch your words. Watch your days. And watch your hope. Three keys to paying attention in our Christian walks. So how about you today? Are you paying close attention to how you live your life for Christ? Or are you on cruise control? Have you zoned out somewhere along the way and are no longer careful about the decisions of your life, the choices you make, the condition of your heart? It matters, friend. It matters. Wake up. Pay attention. Refocus. Put aside the distractions. Remember the auto accident report I talked about? The distractions won't kill you. It's the crash they lead to that will. Mike always says that. The fall won't kill you. The the sudden stop will. Those distractions may, in fact, be good things. Sending a thank you text message, reading the lyrics of an uplifting song, drinking a bottle of water, nothing, nothing wrong with any of those things. They may all be good, in fact, but the problem is they're not what you should be doing at that time. They distract your attention from what you should be doing. So, too, in our spiritual lives, No matter what the distractions may be, even if they're good things in themselves, if they're distractions, they're leading you to a spiritual demise. We we never intend for it to happen. No one ever wants to get in an accident. No one envisions a terrible calamity coming from such a small, innocent act. No one wants to think or believe that such a small act, a small distraction would lead to such a drastic result. It happens. It does. While we were busy with something else, while we were busy not paying attention, 
we drift. And the results can be tragic if we don't course correct as soon as we realize it. Friend, isn't it time you take your spiritual life off of cruise control? Isn't it time to care again? Isn't it time to be deliberate about how you live your life? Don't let apathy be your excuse for the inevitable crash which will come from not paying attention. Pay attention to what's most important. Heed David's advice. Listen to his warning. Watch your ways. Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to how you spend your days and pay attention to what your hope rests upon. I remember when my first car, a Ford Escort station wagon. Young people, be thankful. (laughs) Developed an alignment problem. I'd be driving down the freeway and, and it wanted to pull to the right. Pretty hard. In fact, you really had to work against the car to go into the left lane. On the other hand, if I wanted to make a right turn, I just would let go and <laughs> felt like you were Kit from Knight Rider. I had to keep a firm and steady hold on the wheel if I ever wanted to get to school, to my destination. If you just let go of the wheel of your life, what do you think would happen? Where would your mind and heart take you? It's not a good place. What forces are tugging on you these days that they've taken your attention off of Christ and His love for you, His plan for you, His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy? Relationship troubles? Health concerns? Finances? Some sin you refuse to see as sin? Something from your past that you just can't let go of and and get rest. There's all kinds of distractions out there. Any number of sins that get us so far off course, we think we can never go back. And that is one of Satan's greatest lies, my friend. The truth is, you can never get so far off course that you can't come back to Christ. If you find yourself there today, wake up, grab the wheel, take hold of it again, pay attention. Set aside, push aside, throw aside those distractions and start paying attention again to your walk with Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we come before You today and ask You to help us. Help refocus our attention. You've been trying to get our attention with every circumstance in our lives. We see that now, Father. You've gotten our attention. Now, help us to put aside the distractions that have gotten in our way. Help us to put You back on the throne of our lives. Help us, Lord, to pay careful attention, the most careful attention to how we live. Help us as we resolve to pay attention to our words, to our days, and to our hopes. We want to live completely for You, Lord. We want to live lives that honor You, that bring glory to You and point others to You. We want others to want You simply by examining our lives. Give us Your grace and strength, Lord. We love You. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.